Thanks, Chris. We are excited about sabbatical. I'm excited for Amy to get a break. I know, you can't tell because she's got a mask on. She, she is smiling, but uh, I don't normally don't kind of do introductory comments before I preach, but um, this whole sabbatical thing is, um, is a weird thing probably for some of you. You're like, wait a second, you're getting three months off? That's not fair. I don't get three months off. Um, but you choose whether you want to be on 24-7. For, for me, it's been 30 years of ministry without an extended break. Um, and I think I'm starting to show it <laughs> in my hair and my behavior and um, getting a little bit twitchy. Um, you know, you, you, you could do that. Um, and then, by the way, you don't ever get a weekend off. Um, so, you know, trade your weekend in for the last 30 years, and that's kind of where I, how I feel. And I'm not saying that because I want you to feel sorry for me. I just feel like sometimes it's hard to see, like, why, why is this important? Um, but I've learned from fathers of my life how important it is to try to do self-care. And um, this series that we're in, that we're already in, I'll tell you more about it in a second, um, is my own journey in this season to step into a healthy place. And Jesus is taking me down the rabbit hole. You should see the stack of books in my living room right now. By the way, I'll put together a separate webpage just uh, on reading list for all the stuff that have been rich resources for me. Because my goal by the time I sabbatical is to really be living a very healthy rhythm and to be more of a holy man than a man who does nonprofit leadership well. I would rather be present with you and for you to go, man, he's not even thinking about anything else except for being with me right now and being with Jesus. It's what stoked the fires of the hearts of the saints that I study from 500 to 700 in Ireland. It's that presence with God and presence with others that will change the world. I will not be different four months from now because I'm pushing into a new rhythm with Jesus. And by the way, I'm driving the boat and I'm dragging you behind us. And you have skis, so you don't have to worry about just dragging through the water. Oh, I need a vacation. If I have heard that once, I've heard it a thousand times in the last three years. I need a vacation. Somehow that seems to be the cure-all. If I just had a vacation, everything would be fine. <laughs> I was talking to a doctor friend of mine in town this past week, and we were talking about this. And he was talking about the fact that everybody tells him, they all say that to him, I need a vacation, I need a vacation. And he always tells them, no, you need to do healthy rhythm all the time. Not just count on two weeks a year, if you even get two weeks off, to somehow revive and refresh for the next 50 weeks in a row. He said this to me, Americans take vacation to vacate their lives. And Europeans take holiday to celebrate their lives. I was like, oh, that's a good word right there. I'm, that's making it into my sermon this week. Americans take vacation to vacate their lives. 
Europeans take holiday to celebrate their lives. I want to be more European, I suppose. There was a BuzzFeed article by Ann Peterson. Uh, It was called, How Millennials Became the Burnout Generation. She says this, burnout isn't a place to visit and come back from like a vacation. It's our permanent residence, she says. You ever come back from a vacation and you feel like you need a vacation from your vacation? Probably tells you you probably did a little bit too much. You didn't do enough resting. You did too much. Go, 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 go. I'm totally guilty of that. I want to get every single, I want to squeeze every single minute out of my poor family's like, dad, do we have to walk anymore? I just want to see everything. I just, I don't want to miss anything. I looked at burnout statistics, employee burnout. Now, I know that there's a lot of other ways that we get burned out, but just specifically in work right now, December 20th through July 2021, burnout increased 21%. 68% of women, 52% of men experiencing burnout. There's, by the way, there's studies behind these numbers. This is just random. 37% of U.S. workers are likely to search for a job in the next six months. They said, yep, I'm done. Thrown in the towel. They're calling this period of time the great resignation because so many people are like, I'm over this, whatever this is. People working from home, I saw a study that talked about United Kingdom, Austria, Canada, and the United States. Um, People who are working from home, on average, increased their work time to and a half hours a day. Why? Because there's no boundaries. You don't go to the office anymore. The office is right there. Some, so many people, their office is where their kitchen table is. I talked to one of our tech guys who's directing this morning. Hi, Brian. In the booth. He said, yep, my company is closing down its office in Chico. I'm going to work from home. Now, all of a sudden, you've got all kinds of boundaries and limit issues And I'm certain that while your work needs to be much more labor and less toil, and you, I really do believe you can be fulfilled in your work life. By the way, I'll make sure that as I make my reading list, I put Michael and Catherine's book Fulfilled on my reading list for you. That if you're in your work life and you're going, how do I get fulfillment out of work? It really is possible and it's God's plan for your work life to be filled with the spirit and his moving. There's a lot of exhaustion. While that's still true, there's a lot of exhaustion and lack of purpose and lack of sleep and burnout, a lack of health in our culture. You're like, yeah, Andrew, okay, so when are you going to tell me something I don't know already? I'm just helping you make, I'm helping you feel smart. I'm here to tell you the good news is that Jesus is an extending an invitation for you to come out of burnout and actually experience life to the fullest. Where does he give this invitation? The three verses we're gonna look at this morning. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. Now, if you grew up when I did, you probably had a grandmother that cross-stitched this onto some wall hanging or you had a coffee mug maybe with this on it. This is a real popular verse and I think it's kind of gotten lost along the way in part because people don't believe it's true. What does the verse say? 
Matthew 11, verse 28. Come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So let's take a look at this invitation that Jesus is extending to us. Because I think in this invitation, there is a secret. Ooh, everybody loves a secret. And there's actual reality here. Most of you are like, yeah, I've been following Jesus for a long time and I, kill, I, I cannot find this kind of rest. I think maybe this is a tease. I think there's something wrong with me. No, there's just another way to look at this that I believe will inform our entire springtime. So the first is an invitation. Here's Jesus with his disciples. His invitation is come and follow me. Come be my apprentices. Come learn from me. Come be my disciples, if you will. So Jesus has apprentices, just like any Jewish rabbi would. He invites them to follow him, which is totally backwards from the way every other rabbi forces you to come and apply to see if you're good enough to be chosen. He goes out and chooses others. And most of them would have never made the cut with another rabbi. So he chooses these Talmudim, these disciples, and the, there, there's a few goals. If you're going to be a disciple of a rabbi, first of all, just to be with him. You follow him around wherever he goes. I mean, there were even prayers for going to the bathroom with the rabbis. This is the, pray, the prayer that you pray when you sit in the outhouse. And they would follow their rabbi, literally. That's how closely. May the dust of, the, of your rabbi be all over you. You're, you're following so close to him that the dust of the road is coming up all over you. To be with your rabbi, first thing. Second thing, to become like your rabbi. If he lifts his hand, you lift his hand. If he says, Father, you just say, Father, in Jesus' name. You just begin to imitate, imitate that rabbi. Third, you attempt to do what he would do if he were you. If he were you in that situation, what would he do? You remember the, the old phrase, what would Jesus do? Comes from the book, In His Steps. So there's this invitation, come to me. This is similar to come follow me or come towards me or come after me in Matthew 4, verse 19, as he's inviting some of the greatest disciples, Peter and Andrew, of course, come and follow me. There's this, this is a tender invitation. Come, be with me. It's not formal. And in this case, come to me. Come towards me. Step towards me. So who is Jesus inviting here? He's inviting two classifications of people that I think you're going to relate a lot to. The weary and the burdened. Maybe some of you feel like these two on the screen. Weary and burdened. Weary evoking the image of someone who's exhausted from their work or the journey that they're on. And burdened. They're excessively weighted down. 
with heavy loads. I can imagine Jesus thinking about later on in, well, it's actually before this, two chapters before in Matthew 9, Jesus says this, or it happens that when he saw Jesus sees the crowds, Matthew 9 verse 36, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. I think you could almost say they were weary and burdened like sheep without green pastures and quiet waters. So he's inviting, first of all, the invitation is to the weary. So this word for weary is those who labor and toil and expend great effort in hard, disagreeable work. And has anyone ever dug a ditch before? That's disagreeable work. Unless you have Tonka toys, in which case it's fun work. But in this case, I'm talking about like you're getting blisters, you're getting sweaty, you're getting cranky. This is horrible. This is the weary. And there is a present continual tense in this word in the, in the Greek. It undoubtedly describes this, this effort to finally get rest and never feel like you can get rested. Do you ever feel like that? You even get time off and it's like you don't sleep well. Or you get vacation and you get sick. Or you try to go on a trip and all of your flights get all messed up. And you feel like, I can't really get rest. Certainly, I think it points to the fact that we can never get free of the burden of our sin either without Jesus. Who are the weary? I was thinking about it. Just a few of you that I was thinking about. Those of you who don't get a day off, hardly ever. In fact, you're probably watching on the stream right now because you couldn't be here this morning. The mamas of young children who are just, just hoping for a shower today and, and maybe they can get a quiet moment to go to the bathroom on their own and hoping that maybe there's a moment where they won't have to just keep their children alive for two seconds. You're weary. Students who limped to the end of the semester and you're like, oh no, the next one is coming and I haven't even recovered from the last one. Those of you who are laboring under a medical diagnosis, there is this imminent thing that's hanging over you that's wearying, just trying to navigate doctors and insurance and all the forms and, and wondering how you're going to pay for all this. It's exhausting. Or maybe you're just exhausted from balancing out the political views over the Christmas dinner table. Or the friends you thought were your friends, but now you don't hang out anymore. If you're weary, you're invited by Jesus. He's also inviting the burdened. You might relate to this group as well. The heavy laden. This is the idea to place a burden upon or load down like an ox or a donkey. Um, and it quickly became a word that was also used for a legal burden. It had a bunch of rules and laws. I'm sure that there were new rules and laws that took effect yesterday on the first of the year that I have no idea what they are. But they could be burdensome to me. I just don't know what they are yet. I might get pulled over for one of them and go, oh, I didn't know. I need to know. It's important. 
And this idea of being oppressed or loaded down by legal burdens, rules, or, or laws. Luke 11, verse 46, Jesus says, Woe to you, lawyers, as well, for you weigh men down with burdens hard to bear, while you yourself don't even touch the burdens with one of your fingers. So the idea is you're loaded down by a bunch of rules that Jesus or God is not giving. Jesus isn't either. So this is a perfect tense that draws your attention to like these abiding results that there is this, this overwhelming burden that you're carrying that you can't seem to get out from under. Jesus is going to condemn those who do this to others and put a bunch of extra rules on. Specifically in Matthew 23, he has some of his most harsh criticism for the Pharisees. You brood of vipers, you hypocrites. Like whitewashed tombs, he's, you know, Jesus is really crazy. This, words. But he's in, Jesus is inviting crowds to find rest in him that look different than being weighed down by the Pharisees who have all these rules. By the way, it was considered divine if a divine, if a, if a rabbi gave you an, a, like an oral law. So if he adds something to it, it was, it was considered as God says. Can you imagine walking around? God told me to tell you this. By the way, you have to do this. God told me this. God said this. By the way, that's not how we roll here at Neighborhood Church. We love hearing from God and delivering his messages, but we don't. Keep it on, right? So do you ever feel like you read the Bible or you try to read the Bible and you get frustrated and close it or you just get frustrated, period. You don't feel like, the, I'm set up to fail. I can't do this. I can't do what Jesus is saying. This is impossible. I feel like I'm set up to fail. You feel like these guys right here. Take a look at these four pictures behind me. You just feel burdened. You feel loaded down. These are very creative people, by the way, in the nations finding ways to get their stuff to market or other places. It's crazy. But I feel like this sometimes. Even when I read the Bible, sometimes I feel like this. And yet this is the heavy yoke. This is not the light yoke that Jesus is talking about here. So what burdens are you carrying? There's so many. I didn't mention finances, relationships, worry about the future your health, your family. So let's look at this verse again. We've got this invitation. Come to me, Matthew 11, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Whew, good deal. He's gonna give us rest. How are you gonna do that, Jesus? Glad you asked. Next verse. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart. And then you're gonna find rest for your souls. Okay, so the way you're gonna give me rest is you're going to invite me to take on a yoke. Let's talk about a yoke. Yoke, we're not talking about eggs. We're talking about this instrument right here. Now, we don't use these very often unless you have livestock. A yoke is a wooden frame that you join two animals, usually oxen, together to be able to pull a huge load or carry a huge load. So this this. Image is used metaphorically to describe one 
animal's subjection or submission to the other. Or in this case, one person's subjection or submission to another. What do I mean by that? Well, generally, there's a younger animal who is yoked with an older animal. This older animal has plowed the field before. He knows exactly where to go, he or she, knows exactly where to go, how to go, what pace to go. Very obedient. It's like that dog who actually, that you went to obedience school with, but your other dog is like totally crazy. Yeah. So you put the totally submissive animal with that youngling, and that youngling learns how to plow by being yoked together by one who's been there before. Now, in Judaism, this was also a metaphor for the law. There was a saying that said, he who takes upon himself the yoke of the law, from him shall be taken away the yoke of the kingdom, which is troubles from those who are in power, let's say government stuff, and the yoke of the worldly care. But he who throws off the yoke of the law, upon him shall be laid the yoke of the kingdom and the yoke of the worldly care. So yoke is actually the rabbi's way of reading the Torah, God's law, and explaining how to be human and have life to the fullest. So, how you shoulder the weight of life, your relationships, sex, money, conflict resolution, what's happening in our government. That's all filtered through the rabbi's yoke. Jesus is unique in that he says, I've got an easy yoke compared with those who add all these rules and load you down. This legalistic mindset. So you might be saying, wait, wait, wait. So what about the whole, I will give you rest? Because he says it twice in the verse. And so far, it looks like we're signing up to work more. Because a yoke is for work, not for rest. What gives? I'm going to read a quote from Frederick Dale Bruner. And uh, so it's on the screen for you as well. A yoke is a work instrument. Thus, when Jesus offers a yoke, he offers what we might think tired workers need least. They need a mattress or a vacation, not a yoke. But Jesus realizes that the most restful gift he can give the tired is a new way to carry life. A fresh way to bear responsibilities. So realism... Being real here, not being just idealistic or pie in the sky, sees that life is a succession of burdens. We cannot get away from them. Thus, instead of offering escape, Jesus offers equipment. Jesus means that obedience to his Sermon on the Mount, the larger context for this verse, his yoke, will develop in us a balance and a way of carrying life that will give more rest than the way we've been living. So so there is a secret in this yoke of Jesus, his way of living. I'm going to now quote from Dallas Willard. Dallas says this, a few Willard fans in the crowd. In this truth lies the easy yoke. The secret involves living as Jesus lived in the entirety of his life. Adopting his overall lifestyle. Our mistake is to think that our following Jesus consists of loving enemies, going the second mile, turning the other cheek, suffering patiently and hopefully. 
while living the rest of our lives just as everyone else around us does, like the world does. It's a strategy that's bound to fail. So what's the point? What's the secret of this yoke? If you want the life of Jesus, you've got to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. Like, wait a second, does that mean I have to be homeless and single and I have to travel around teaching? No. But there is a way, a yoke, a lifestyle that we can learn from Jesus. That as we begin to adopt that, it will transform and change our lives. Let's go back to our verse again. Matthew 11, 28 through 30. He says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So walking in the yoke will cause us to learn from Jesus. Learn from his life. Learn how to live this life. So when we live in the light yoke, the non-legalistic yoke, the yoke of freedom, if you will, we learn from the way that Jesus moves forward. We learn and we will be forced to live at his pace, not ours. Spoiler alert, it's a lot slower than the way we're living. It's much more intentional than the way we're living. And you're more present than the way we're living right now. We will move in the same direction that he does and we will move in the rhythm that he moves, in the way that he walks as we walk with him. I want to obey this, the teachings of Jesus. I'm really, I really am desirous to obey him. That's the way I show my love to him. But even more than that, I want to learn the ways of Jesus. I want to begin to imitate more of the way he lived. Oftentimes I read the gospels and go, okay, what's the stuff I need to do? And Jesus is like, no, no, I want you to be. Can we work on the B, please? No, no, I got to do, do, do. I'm a human doing, aren't I? No, you're a human being. John 14, 6. Jesus answers, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So many times we look at that verse and we see the exclusivity of Jesus, the fact that there's only one way to the Father. There's no other way. It's not all roads lead to God. It's one way. And that is absolutely true. And I love that about this verse. But this word for way, this road, the Jesus way, I think, is something that is important for us to see and understand his way is his lifestyle. Eugene Peterson says this, the Jesus way wedded to the Jesus truth brings about the Jesus life. Only Peterson could say it that way. Except for he says it with an English accent, which makes it so much cooler. But Jesus as the truth gets far more attention than Jesus as the way. We get so focused on his teachings, we forget to emulate his lifestyle. Jesus as the way is the most frequently evaded metaphor among the Christians with whom I have worked for 50 years as a North American pastor. People aren't very interested to learn about Jesus' way. They just want to know what he said and try to shortcut it and see, but how can I get the most out of the, out of the least amount of work and get there quicker? So it's going to be critical for us to study and imitate Jesus if we're going to live in his way and experience the full life that he gives. This is a subtle shift. I hope you're seeing it. 
So let me start with an invitation of my own to you. In these next 30 days, I want to give you an invitation to read the gospel of Mark with me. Now, I googled it because you can google everything. How long does it take to read the certain books of the Bible? And I found this, if you Google it, you'll find it as well. You'll find this little chart. This is only part of the New Testament. And you'll see that it only is supposed to take about 90 minutes to read the book of Mark. The book of Mark is, of course, the story of Jesus, his life, his ministry, his death, his resurrection. It's the shortest of the four Gospels, 90 minutes. That means that if you start today, you should start today with Mark 1. Three minutes a day, you can do it! But some of you are like, no, I don't know. I don't know. The Bible's really hard. Give the Bible a try. And as you read Mark, just look to see what's Jesus doing. How often does Jesus get interrupted? Way more than we do. And yet he's so gracious. Look at his pace. Jesus is never running. I love the idea of Jesus running to me. He's never running. Look at how long some of Jesus' days are. It's not that Jesus is lazy. John talks about the fact that if you took all the things that he, Jesus did, it would fill up all of the books in the world, John says. And that was only three years of ministry, three and a half. Jesus isn't lazy. He's incredibly productive. But he also finds rhythms. He has rhythms of life that we can emulate. That we in our Western culture are like, no, we're smarter than that. We have iPhones. I could look up that verse right now. Hang on just a second. I don't need to memorize anything. Thy word I have hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. I don't know why the King James sometimes comes out of my heart, but it does. That's why we do spiritual boot camp. Because we've got to put some of these Bible verses in our heart. We've got to learn how to study the Bible. We've got to learn how to understand it. And we've got to be humble enough to ask, hey, I don't get this. Can you help me? Those are my favorite kind of emails. Hey, can you help me understand this verse? I'm not going, oh, I got to help someone understand a verse again. Jeez, what a bummer. I'm going, yeah, I get to help someone understand a verse. They're reading their Bible. Three minutes a day. Take a look at Jesus' life. By the way, spoiler alert, Jesus dies at the end. I mean, he does rise, but his life is hard. He is a suffering servant. So an easy life is a myth. Anyone tells you any different is trying to sell you something. Life is hard, full stop. How do I know that? Jesus said it. John 16. These things I've spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I've overcome the world. We will have tribulation. Jesus says in another spot, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. It's going to be hard. Coming to Jesus doesn't mean your life, all of a sudden, everything gets easy. In fact, I would argue some things get harder. And it's our culture's plan that when things get really bad and really hard, what do they do? Escape. Escape. You get tempted to do the same. I just want to jump in my car and drive and never come back. 
You ever say that before? I have. This is why addiction is so rampant. This is why we escape in virtual reality with the call to us from Netflix, video games, reality shows, looking at the lives of others on Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat. This is why pornography is a multi-billion dollar business. This is why we overindulge in food and caffeine and pills. This is why we overspend and buy, buy, buy in an effort to satisfy our restless hearts, to escape because we long for relief. We long for rest, that same rest that Jesus is offering us here. And we feel trapped like slaves and we want to escape. But Jesus doesn't offer an escape. He offers equipment. He's offering us a way to bear the weight of our humanity, to be able to to live through a difficult world with ease. Like two oxen plowing in a field, Jesus is actually doing the heavy lifting. He's, He's carrying the heavy end of the couch, if you will. And at this pace, his pace, slow, unhurried, present to the moment, full of love and joy and peace. So an easy life is off the table. It's not an option for us, but an easy yoke is. Eugene Peterson writes his paraphrase beautifully, and I want to just read these verses in the message paraphrase, Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30 in the message. It goes like this. Are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. There is an invitation to us, friends, this year in 2022 to begin to live life differently. Will you come along with me on this journey? I want to learn the unforced rhythms of grace, how Jesus does his life and emulate his lifestyle. This is where we will focus for the first part of our year. And I have no idea how long it's going to take. And I don't have to know. So this journey is going to contain some really practical things that we can all work into our days as habits that are holy. This adventure is going to challenge you to resist the culture that you're living in and step away from escape, to confront the stuff you've been hiding and running from whenever you get silent, you realize it's there. This is not the you've got to really try harder message or set of instructions. 
but I will be calling us to surrender more and more. And let's experiment some with living our lives a bit differently. And as Jesus followers, we're apprentices of his life. We're, it's time to study his rhythms, how he did his life, his ways, and begin to imitate those things. That's the light yoke. And when we do that, we'll begin to find rest for our souls. 1 Peter 5 says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. One author I read this week talked about anxiety as being the effort to control things that we fear. That anxiety is a secondary emotion to the primary emotion of fear, that we fear that God isn't enough, God won't provide, God won't protect, therefore I've got to control. And when I know that I can't control because control is an illusion, but I think I can, then that's where anxiety manifests. And I want to trade all of that for his light yoke. I want to trade all of that for the peace that surpasses all understanding. And I know that I'm not signing up for an easy life, but I believe I can begin to walk in the light yoke. And I think you can too. And my hope is when I'm walking in the light yoke, all of you will see it in me. All of you will see a lack of strain and a lack of stress, more trust and more rest, more prayer and more thanksgiving. A posture where silence is okay and solitude is a place where you draw strength, not weakness. It's a new posture of living an unhurried life in a hurried and rushed world. It's a posture that says, what would Jesus do? How would he live this? I'm gonna to begin to live that out. And more importantly, just learning holy habits so that in the moment, whenever I'm put on the spot, it's very easy to walk and give out of the overflow. You'd stand with me. I just want to pray for us. This is just, this entire message this morning was all about an invitation to come on a journey. Really, I started this series last week as I talked about leading, the good shepherd leading us into green pastures and quiet waters, that he has rest for us. That was the Old Testament version. This was the New Testament version from the good shepherd. And now we absolutely dive down the rabbit hole. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are the umbrella that we hold as we dive down the rabbit hole and you're gonna allow us to move through information and revelation from your throne. Thank you as Jesus followers that we're seated with you in the heavenlies, that we've got everything that we need provided to us. I pray for new perspective. I pray for grace to be able to change the way that we live, change our habits and the way that we conduct our life so that we will love you and be more present with others. Jesus, may this be a year of transformation for us. We believe your goodness. And so may this new 
day of rest. Repair the wear of time. Restore your vision of a deeper light. Heal the wounds of disappointments and restore the youth of heart for the adventure that awaits us tomorrow and the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be among all of us to remain with us always. Amen. Prayer folks, if you'd come down forward, we'd love uh, to have you come and receive prayer. For what? I would challenge you. What are the anxieties you want to cast on him? What is it that you want to leave here today that you're really stressed or worried about? Come and receive prayer for peace and release in Jesus' name. We'll see you next week.